Hello and welcome. This is Pastor Terry, and I'd like to welcome you to my Bible study podcast. This daily podcast is a place where we take the teachings of Scripture seriously, but ourselves, not so much. Join us as we dive into the sacred word of the Bible, and each time we read, we pray, we change the world. Welcome to Pastor Terry's Bible Study Podcast. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Advent. (laughs) Welcome to Monday, November the 28th, 2022. It is the first Monday of Advent. Uh, Advent uh, technically started yesterday on the first Sunday, but uh, today is the the first Monday of Advent. We're in the first week, and so um, welcome. We are using as a uh, guide through our Advent season this uh, book from um, N.T. Wright, uh, Anglican bishop, uh, called An Advent for Everyone, and it's particularly looking at the Gospel of Luke. And so there's readings each day uh, throughout the Advent season. And um, yeah. And also, if you're on the uh, the podcast, I just gave a plug for... Um, the song you may be able to hear it in the background. I'll be quiet just for like three seconds, five seconds here before you can hear it. But that song has been uh, uh, written and uh, by a couple of people from Bayside, or was written by Travis Bray. It was produced by Leo Flores, who is uh, both Bayside,ers and it's been. Uh, put out just this week uh, for Christmas. So grab it off of Spotify, put it on your Christmas uh, playlist. It's uh, if you just search for Travis's name under wherever you download your music. Uh, his last name is Bray, B-R-A-Y, Travis Bray. And the song is Gloria. And uh, yeah, add it to your Christmas playlist. Uh, just a side note, it's a good song. That's first thing. Secondly, uh, any of the proceeds from the streaming, which you know, streaming is free if you have a subscription to whatever, wherever you get your stuff from. Um, but all the proceeds are going to um, CCM. So yeah, yeah, uh, community church multipliers. So there's nobody making any money. It's all just for uh, advancing the kingdom. So, all right, you guys, thanks for being on today. Um, we are again reading from uh, N.T. Wright's devotional guide. We're going to use this as a guide through Advent. I love this season. You know, I just love this season of the year. Uh, Advent technically uh, means a waiting or coming, I should say, and or waiting. But it's the idea of, of something you're anticipating something. And so each year um, in the Christian calendar, we kind of wait. Uh, we anticipate the coming of Jesus. Of course, we know Jesus has already come two thousand years ago. But we kind of get in that frame of mind uh, that the prophets and Israel before the Messiah came kind of went through that expectation, that uh, hope, that uh, longing. And so that is what um, Advent is all about. And I love it. I just love it. And it culminates, of course, with Christmas and the coming of Messiah. Oh yeah. Well, let's see. Um, so this, uh, if you want to get the book, you can, uh, you can get this devotional guide pretty much anywhere. I've got it in a few days. So 
Uh, I think even if you ordered it now, you would get your money's worth um, as it is a four-week, you know, journey. So even if you ordered it today, you'd probably get it by Wednesday or Thursday or at least by the end of the week. So you'd be good for uh, at least for week two. So anyway, that's uh, just a uh, kind of give credit where credit's due, where we're going through. All right, let's read it. It's So we'll start with a uh, the reading from the Gospel of Luke, um, and then we'll uh, walk through what he has to say uh, in terms of a devotional, and just throw in any um, any uh, comments <laughs> we might have from there. You know we do. We read, we pray, we change the world. So let's read. We're going to read the Gospels. Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 52. Jesus' parents used to go to Jerusalem every year for the Passover festival. When he was 12 years old, they went up as usual for the festival. When the feast days were over, they began the journey back. The boy, Jesus, remained in Jerusalem. This is like home alone, only with Jesus. <laughs> Where's Jesus? <laughs> you know, you know, uh, you remember that, that scene on the plane of home alone, you know? Um, Kevin! Yeah, this is one of those like, Jesus, oh, we're, something's missing. I can't put, quite put my finger on it. What's missing? Oh, it's Jesus. <laughs> Which, by the way, look, Christmas is going to get you busy with parties and gift giving and gift getting and uh, all the movies and the shows and the songs and the activities and the decorations and the whatever, the goofy sweaters, all that stuff. But if you get too busy with that, you're going to look around and you're like, something's missing. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is missing. And it's going to be empty without him, man. It's going to be empty. But, it, but you can get so busy that you, you flat out leave Jesus out. You can just leave him flat out. I mean, you just be left on the side. like Just like uh, Mary and Joseph went to the festivals and they're like, I think, man, we seems like we brought something there that we didn't bring home. What could... Oh, it's Jesus. Yeah. So G Jesus remained in Jerusalem. His parents didn't know. They thought he was in the traveling party and went a day's journey before looking for him among their relatives and friends. So remember, a lot of people um, were, this is not a, this is not a huge uh, it, uh, instance of parental negligence. Um, in those days, first of all, this says a lot about that community but you think about like they would travel in large groups of people large numbers of people would travel uh from these villages so it's a lot of people who knew each other were traveling walking together to uh to worship for these festivals and they would return together and so you know it's like just a big parade essentially of people who knew each other and so it'd be easy to get lost in the crowd but no one really worried about it everybody at the end of the day everybody got ended up where they were supposed to be <laughs> um so uh, but yes, they thought he was with the, just the traveling party, but they went a day's journey before looking for him among their relatives. Verse 45, when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. And so it happened that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was astonished at his understanding and his answers. When they saw him, they were quite overwhelmed. <laughs> uh, yeah, you ever say that when you when you you know you're uh, you lose your child and you find them, the first thing is like, oh, thank you, Jesus, I'm gonna kill you now. 
Thank you, Jesus, you're alive. You dead. Of course, if you find Jesus, they say, thank you, Jesus. No, you say, probably don't say, thank you, Jesus. You probably say, thank you, Father. I found Jesus. <laughs> you don't say, thank you, Jesus. I found you, Jesus. Yeah, that would be different. Um, but we, we may, when we find our children, we say, thank you, Jesus. Now I'm going to kill you. Don't you ever do that again. Um, so they were quite overwhelmed. Child said his mother, why did you do this to us? Look, your father and I have been in a terrible state looking for you. That's a nice Bible way of saying we was mad and we were worried. And you in trouble. <laughs> Verse 49. Why were you looking for me? He replied. Didn't you know that I would have to be getting involved with my father's work? Hmm. I would have to be about my father's business. Now, it's interesting because she just said, my fa your father and I were just looking for you. Now, Jesus says, well, actually, um, here in the temple, that's where my father's business is. My father's business actually isn't in the carpentry shop. As much as I respect and honor Joseph for uh, raising me, um, my father's shop is the temple. Hmm. They didn't understand what he had said to them. He went down with them to and came to Nazareth and lived in obedience to them. Wow, that's something about Jesus, right? He lived in obedience to them. He was a good kid, man. He was obedient. He was an obedient child. And his mother kept all these things in her heart. That's a common theme in the uh, book of Luke referring to Mary. She pondered these things in her heart. Um, Mary had a lot to keep in her heart, man. You know, um, the things the, the angel told her. The, uh, the the Anna and Simeon, when they basically told her that, you know, he'd be the, he'd be the, the rise and fall of many people. Um, and uh, the, uh, you know, she treasured all these memories of Jesus in her heart. So Jesus became wiser and taller. <laughs> That's good to know. <laughs> and gained favor both with God and with people. Hmm. You know, at the end of the day, that's our goal for parenting right there. You know, that our children children would grow physically, wiser, mentally, uh, physically taller, and that they would gain favor with God and with people, that they would love God, that they would uh, honor God, be obedient to God, and that, uh, that people, they'd find favor, they'd have good emotional intelligence, they'd have good relational skills. Right there, man. Luke 2, four, uh, 52 is the goal of every parent for their children that they would grow wiser and taller and gain favor with God and people. If you can do that, man, if you can, uh, if you can do that for your children, you, you've, you've succeeded in a big way. Yeah. All right, let's hear, let's hear uh, N.T. Wright's commentary on this. It's not super long today, just like a page and a half. Let's hear what he says. Thanks, everybody, for being on. Today we're in uh, our devotional readings through Advent, Advent readings, week one on Monday. So, yeah, reading through a little N.T. Wright. Uh, Anglican bishop. Let's see what he says, reflecting on this passage. He says, when I was a child, I walked a mile to the bus stop every morning by myself or with my sister. At the other end of the trip, I walked by myself to school. So he walked home by himself. In the evening, I came the same way. I never felt unsafe, even in the dark winter days. Now, in many places, children are often taken to school by car. Oh, man, those drop-off lines. Oh, oh, man. Man, when we when we graduated out of out of out of drop off lines, you know, school drop off lines, I was like, "Thank you, Lord, man, it's a good day." 
I know some of you guys still in it. Drop off line. The car drop off. Oh, the, the school drop off line. Oh, man. And look, you want to see a parent lose their ever-loving mind. You go the wrong way in the parent line. Woo! You think you just broke one of the uh, one of the seven deadly sins. I know. I know we've heard that it's, you know, lust and sloth and anger. No. One of the seven deadly sins is you go the wrong way in the parent line. And people, look. You get some looks, not just from the teach, not just from the, the parents, but the teachers. The nice little kindergarten teacher that you thought loved Jesus and loved children. They don't like parents that go the wrong way in the uh in the car line. Mm-mm, they don't like them. Mm-mm. And sh- they will give you a look that will put you right in your place. But it's nice when you don't have to do that anyway. Anyway. N.T. Wright never had to do that. He didn't go, and he said, that's how they used to do, but that's how they do today, but we didn't do that. Parents are worried about all kinds of dangers that might be waiting for them. So he's saying, you know, I used to walk to school, I ain't worried about it. How many of y'all remember that? Good old day, ride your bike to school, walk to school, send the kids out to school when we were little. Like, now y'all be good. We'll see y'all before dark. (laughs) I would ride my bike to school. I'd ride my bike. It was about two miles. I don't know, two miles to school. And he didn't worry about it. Just ride my school, my bike, bike to school and back. Stop by a little, stop by the little um, corner store. Give me one of them um, <laughs> apple pies. I don't know if you remember those. They were in a little bag. They were in a little bag. They were like apple pie. And uh, they had them in different flavors. They may still have them. It was apple or cherry, and they were horrible for you. But you get you one of them little, you get you one of them little apple pies, and and eat that, and then you wash it down with a coke. <laughs> that was my breakfast. Um, I had lots of cavities, but I did have, uh, but I did ride my bike to school and stop at uh, at New News. That's what he was called. That's what that corner store was called. You, we see is in Cajun country, and so. People don't have real names. They just call them just syllables. And so in Louisiana, the corner store is just called New News. New News. New News Grocery. And it's getting, it's, you know, it's a thing now. And New News Grocery is a, I mean, they're doing all right. Yeah. I don't know if New News still sells those little, um, those little apple pies and cherry pies, but I, you know, I helped them out back in the day with mom and dad's money. Anyway, perhaps the first remarkable thing about this story, back to uh, Luke and Jesus and Mary and Joseph, um, Mary and Joseph were happy to set off with their large group from Galilee without checking that Jesus was with them. That tells us a lot about the kind of world they lived in, where extended families of kinfolks and friends lived together in close-knit mutual trust. But by the same token, once they had left Jerusalem, And when they had returned to it by themselves without the rest of the party, the city was large and potentially dangerous, full of dark alleys and strange people, soldiers and traitors, not a place where one would want to be happy to leave one's son for a few days. Wow, New News got three locations. Man, are they all New News? There's Broussard's, Broussard's Grocery. But, you know, those those that were there from the beginning know it's New News. Or they call it New News. I don't know. Three locations. See, they made a they made a killing on them little on them little apple pies. See, those apple pies, they're in their boudin. They see what happens. They they did all right. 
Okay. Um, the agony of Mary and Joseph searching for three days contrasts sharply with the calm response of Jesus when they found him. Mary blurts out an accusation, perhaps tinged with uh, a fear of guilt and relief that most parents will recognize. Yeah, you know, when you lose your child, <laughs> you know, you, you lose your child, you find them, you're like, oh, thank you, Jesus, I'm not going to jail. <laughs> oh, Lord, thank you. You're alive and I'm not going to jail. <laughs> oh, so there's a little bit of relief. <laughs> it's a relief for them. <laughs> there's a relief for your child, but there's also a relief, a self, uh, self-serving relief. Oh, gosh, I'm not a negligent parent. Well, you still are a negligent parent, but you got delivered this time. So mm -hmm. <laughs> instead of saying, as she might have, this is Mary now, how could I have done this to you, leaving you behind like that? That's what most parents would do. Man, some parents, they just take responsibility for everything. Oh, I'm such a bad parent. I'm so, I'm, I'm so horrible. I ain't that bad. You're just a parent. You're just a human being. You ain't perfect. Nobody thought you was perfect. And it's, it's better to let your, them children know early that you ain't perfect and make, man, how could I have done this to you? How could I leave you behind? Now, she didn't say that. It was a different day. It's like, where you were? What you was doing? <laughs> Why'd you get lost like that? No, I don't know. Anyway, she didn't say that. She says, how could you do this to us? Mm. It's like, your responsibility. You knew what you knew he was getting us nervous. Jesus accepts no blame and indeed issues a gentle rebuke that speaks volumes in Luke's portrayal for his own developing self-awareness. He's becoming aware of who he is. He know who he is. Your father and I, says Mary, have been looking for you. No, replies Jesus. I have been busy myself in my father's work. Some families today keep notebooks of the striking things their children come out with. I used to, uh, I used to keep these little, uh, it was kind of a church thing, but it became almost a, a family diary, uh, essentially, kind of, uh, called In-Step Notes. It was a, a monthly newsletter that I would write. Now, when my kids were little, a lot of those In-Step Notes were sort of just excerpts from our life, our life as of parents of, of young children. And we have so many funny stories. I mean, after several years, Christy, uh, had that all put in a book. And so we have a hard copy of it. And we still will go back through some of those stories and just laugh and reminisce. Uh, and so in a sense, it's one of those memory books. But uh, I know some of you keep, you know, uh, keepsakes from your kids, maybe th things they've, they've made or drawn or written or uh, created or maybe little memories. Um, and so N.T. Wright is, re is remarking on that. He's saying, Mary kept her, so a lot of people keep notebooks that are striking things their children come out with, but Mary kept her notebook in her heart. And this remark in a particular, this mark in particular will have gone straight there with a stab. The way, look, the way Luke has told the story may strike a careful, may strike a careful reader of his gospel as a part of large-scale framework around the main story, which is just about to begin. One of the best-loved moments in the gospel is the story of the road to Emmaus in, uh, in chapter 24, in which two disciples are sharing their anguish over three days that have elapsed since Jesus' death. Jesus meets them and explains how it is, was necessary that these things had to happen. Here is another couple coming back to Jerusalem, finding that three days Jesus they finding after three days that 
the Jesus they thought they had lost, and having him explain that it was necessary. The word is the same in the Greek. It was necessary that I had to be busy at my father's work. You might call the pair of stories something like, quote, on finding the Jesus you thought you'd lost. Hmm. That interesting. So both Mary and Joseph, it's finding the Jesus they thought they lost. The road of Emmaus, they were like, we can't figure out what's going on. Jesus, everybody, the city of Jerusalem's in an uproar over Jesus, and uh, we don't, we don't, we don't know what to make of it. And in both cases, um, they find Jesus. Well, Jesus found them. And if that is the message of these two passages, maybe Luke is wanting to tell us something about his gospel as a whole. Maybe he is writing, at one level at least, for people who may have some idea of Jesus, but find he is more elusive than they had imagined. Wow. You know, some people, do, they do. They, they, they are searching for Jesus, but they seem to think that he's, so, he's, he's harder to find than they thought he would be. Finding him, of course, will normally involve the surprise. Jesus doesn't do or say what Mary or Joseph or the two on the road were expecting. It will be like that with us. Every time we relax and think we've really understood him, he will be up ahead or perhaps staying behind a while while we go on without thinking. Discipleship always involves the unexpected. Hmm. At the heart of the picture, though, is Jesus in the temple, a theme full of meaning for Luke. The gospel will end with the disciples in the temple praising God. But in between this beginning and this end, the temple and the holy city which surround it are the subject of some of Jesus' sternest warnings. From now on, Jesus will be challenging his, his contemporaries to make real the promises that go with the temple. If they don't, the temple itself will be destroyed. Isn't that interesting? Jesus starts doing his father's business at the temple giving questions, uh, giving answers, asking questions. Um, but he does, uh, some of his sternest teaching is against the temple and the uh, the temple structure and the temple rules and regulations that had uh, not served their ultimate purpose, which was to lead people to the heart of God, when in, and in fact it had become uh, quite the opposite of that. It had become a barrier um, to uh, the heart of God. It had made it difficult for people to reach the heart of God, particularly those uh, from other nations and tongues and languages, and without those without means. As we read this story prayerfully, then, we can probably identify quite easily with Mary and Joseph, and perhaps with Jesus, too, quite quietly asserting an independence of mind and vocation, while still returning home and living in obedience to Mary and Joseph. We may want to remember times when we thought we'd lost someone or something very precious. We may want to reflect on whether we have taken Jesus himself for granted. If Mary and Joseph could do it, there is every, there is every reason to suppose that we can too. If Mary and Joseph, his own parents, could take him for granted and forget him, then certainly we can too. We mustn't assume he is accompanying us as we go off on our own business. Ooh, it's a good reminder, man. Just because we're going off doing our own thing, doesn't mean Jesus is going with us. You know, we got to be asking Jesus where to go, what to do, and ask him where he led, following him. Some of us, we, we want to be leading Jesus, huh? We want to be leading Jesus. Jesus, I'm going over here. I need you to come with me. That's, you ain't following Jesus doing that. We're leading Jesus. We're supposed to be following Jesus. So we mustn't assume he is accompanying us as we go off on our own business. But if 
and when we sense the lack of his presence, we must be prepared to hunt for him, to search for him in prayer, in the scriptures, in the sacraments, and not to give up until we find him again. Mm, I love that. Man, in our own lives, we go through seasons of, of a drought and loneliness, and maybe it feels like Jesus isn't in our lives or in, or in our stuff or in our activities. And we know he hasn't stopped loving us. We know the truth of Scripture, but it just feels it. Right? Our, the, the emotion may not be there. The feeling might not be there. The beautiful thing about Advent is it gives us the opportunity to go searching again. Let's search, let's search again. Let's go back and look for what matters. Let's find Jesus. Let's find uh, his presence. Let's search for him in prayer. Let's search for him in the word of God, in, in worship, in the, uh, in the things of this holiday that, m- that matter and that are meaningful, in the voices of children singing carols of praise to the newborn king. Hmm. We must expect, too, that when we do meet him again, he will not say or do what we expect. He must be busy about his father's, father's work, and so must we. And here's a reflection for, the, for today. Do you ever feel that you've lost touch with Jesus? If so, what might help you regain and retain a sense of his guiding presence? Great thought. Do you ever feel like you've lost touch with Jesus? Like the, the, the intimate relationship with the Lord is just isn't there? What, what, what might you need to do to regain that, to recapture that? What needs to happen to, uh, to re, uh, reignite and reconnect with him? Is it, is it this? Is it the uh, walking through this Advent season in the Word of God and in reflection? I hope it serves, it. I hope it serves that purpose, man. <laughs> I hope so. I think I hope that's what... I mean, that's one of the reasons I love doing Advent devotionals through Christmas in particular. As you know, we do it year all year long. But Advent, even when I would, it wasn't doing this, I was always doing an Advent devotional. Why? Because the season is so busy. And I needed something to ground this season in spiritual matters. It's, there's so much that happens around Christmas season now that has nothing to do with Jesus at all. And you can be so busy doing all of these things, but it has nothing to do with Jesus. And it does nothing to to uh, deepen your spiritual life. In fact, in many cases, these things can war against your spiritual life. All the, all the presence and all the materialism and all the expectation can make you feel unworthy. It can make you feel inadequate. It can make you feel greedy. And so you need these things that help ground you in the Word of God, that ground you in the spiritual depth and component that is essential to this season, which is Jesus, right? A personal relationship with Jesus, with the Savior. So I hope it helps. I hope that helps. Whatever you need. Maybe you need to spend some time each day just quietly listening to him. Maybe you need to make a recommitment to be intentional about being in the house of God in worship. Maybe you need to be more devoted in your prayer life to listen and to talk to the Lord your deepest concerns. You ever get the feeling you've you've lost touch with Jesus? I think this uh, this season gives us a tremendous opportunity to reconnect in a powerful way.
All right, you guys, thank you so much for being on today. Let's uh, wrap this up with prayer. Lord, thank you so much for your holy word. Thank you for this uh, journey that we're starting today. God, I pray your blessing upon each and every person. And maybe there are some who feel like they've lost touch with you. God, uh, may they know that you, uh, you have never, you have never uh, forgotten them, that you've never lost sight of them. Even if they've lost sight of you, even if we've lost sight or we've drifted or strayed, we know that your eyes are on us. You see us. Just like your eyes are on the sparrow, your eyes are on us. And so we thank you for that. Lord, we pray that this season would be a season where we reignite, deepen, strengthen, uh, fan into flame um, our devotion, our love, our obedience to you. God, thank you for my friends. Thank you for the joy that we have of journeying together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you today. Thank you so much for being on. As you know, I have a Bible study tomorrow morning, so I won't be on live. I'm still trying to figure out how I might be able to record tomorrow's uh, devotional. Um, so it may be on. It may not. May, may not. But we'll definitely be back Wednesday. Um, so if I'm not on tomorrow, I won't be on it tomorrow at 7. Impossible. Can't do that. Uh, but it may be out on the, on the podcast. Uh, but regardless, I'll be back on, on uh, Wednesday uh, at 7 o'clock as we continue through. And I do want to give another plug for this song written by Travis Bray and produced by Leo Flores. Uh, download it. It's Gloria. Uh, uh, search for Travis Bray on Apple Music or Spotify. B-R-A-Y is his last name. And the song is Gloria. Download it. Put it on your Christmas playlist. It's beautiful. There it is. You guys have a great day. Love you guys. We'll see you next time. Thanks, Etta. Thanks, Mary. God bless you guys. Thank you for joining me on today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. If this episode has been an encouragement to you, take a minute to subscribe or comment or share it with your friends. You can find me, Pastor Terry, and Bayside Church on all social media platforms. You can find Bayside at Bayside Church SH. Until next time, remember, God's word is true. Everything else is merely commentary. God bless you. We'll see you next time.